Hello, this is Professor Benjamin Kozlowski, and I will be teaching you philosophy this year. Um, the situation is a little bit weird, obviously, since we are all online this semester. Um, part of that is due to the coronavirus and the outbreak and all of those problems. Um, part of this is just, you know, this is how online classes work. Um, so this lecture is going to be devoted to talking about exactly what my expectations for the class are going to be. Um, so I'm going to be going over the syllabus, and I highly recommend if you are not looking at the syllabus and haven't read it yet, um, do that. Do that as soon as possible. Open it in another window and read along while I'm talking about this stuff. Um, now, first off, like, let me explain my situation um, and introduce myself a little bit. Um, I am an adjunct professor. Uh, I work part-time at a number of different schools. Um, so you could very well be listening to this from either Sussex County Community College, where I am going to be teaching a section of philosophy and the meaning of life, or at Bergen Community College, where I will be teaching intro to philosophy. They are, at least as I teach it, essentially the same class. Um, the parameters of both schools I have sort of navigated around and built a course that will satisfy the requirements of both institutions. Um, so in this lecture I'm going to try to accommodate both like schools and they're both and both of their little peccadilloes. Um, but if you know I accidentally say Canvas instead of Moodle or Moodle instead of Canvas or Bergen instead of Sussex or Sussex instead of Bergen feel free to just you know like fill in the blank with whatever applies to you. Um, the basic functioning of the class is going to be the same. I'm going to be teaching the same material. I'm going to be teaching it in the same way. There will be essentially the same assignments. Um, there's not going to be a whole lot of difference. So like don't panic and don't you know worry about this. Um, you're going to be getting the same stuff either way. Um, so with that out of the way, um, I've been teaching philosophy at Bergen and Sussex, and also humanities at Montclair, and philosophy at Mont uh, County College of Morris for the better part of like four years now. So I'm still kind of green, I'm still fairly new, but I'm also, you know, I've taught a lot of classes in that time, and I've kind of figured out a lot of the tricks um, to, to doing this. And hopefully, you know, I, I'm at like that perfect point where I'm experienced enough to, you know, make a decent experience for you, but also not so old that I've completely lost my will to live and be a good teacher. Um, so hopefully this will work out. But one of the things I want to stress, like right from the outset, is this is going to be a really crazy year. Um, it's going to be a crazy semester, I'm sure, for you, um, like the colleges are all closed or trying to navigate through, you know, various weird stuff, like, I don't even know. Every college is dealing with this differently. Um, Montclair, for example, I am teaching a class that is, like, partially face-to-face -face and partially online. At Sussex, like, some of the classes are online and some of the classes are not online. Some of the classes are online, but they're, like, face-to-face Zoom-ish meetings. At Bergen, as far as I know, everything is online because, you know, that giant campus really can't do coronavirus restrictions. There's just too many people, um, too much like possible interaction um and i know that really sucks for you especially like things have not changed too dramatically for me i am a teacher i did not lose my job when all of the businesses were closing because i just moved online 
Um, I have gotten the summer off the same way that I always get the summer off. Like, it was honestly kind of relaxing, as stressful as the rest of the world was actually doing. Um, and I realized that, like, everything is going to be an exceptional case this semester. There's, there's just no way around it. Like, shit is going to happen. Um, it's going to happen to me, it's going to happen to you, like stuff is going to be closed stuff is going to be reopened like i would be shocked if we don't get another upsurge in the virus this year in new jersey um like i hope it doesn't happen but if it does i want to be ready for it so um let's start with just a sort of casual agreement between you and me student and professor um, I will give you the benefit of the doubt. Like, if you come to me and say at any time about anything in this class that you can't get it done because, who knows, because someone in your family is sick, or because you're sick, or because there's a funeral you need to attend, or because something else is going on, you know, beyond the pale of what I can expect at this point in time. Um, if you tell me that beforehand, if you explain your situation to me, I will be lenient with you. Like, I'm not going to stick to deadlines like a monster. I'm not going to absolutely insist on everything done perfectly. But in response, I hope for the same treatment from you. Um, I am currently scheduled to teach four classes, but there are rumors at this point in very early September um, that that will go up to five. Um, that's a full load for me, like at the best of times. Um, I have only ever once done six classes at a time, and that nearly drove me to insanity. Um, so it's going to be stressful, um, especially because I'm doing more work than I usually would. Uh, moving online has actually, like stressed teachers out more as much as you know everybody thinks that it's super convenient that i don't have to you know drive to class or you know host lectures in person um in fact it just means a lot more work behind the scenes a lot more emails to students a lot more interactions that are not direct um and you know it takes three times as long to have an email conversation as it does to just like talk to a student um so it's inconvenient like on my end and on yours um, and I realize that, and I want to take that into account. Um, so if you are willing to give me the benefit of the doubt and overlook the couple of times that I screw up or respond to an email late or whatever, um, I will do the same for you. Um, I will overlook the time that, you know, you turned in a response paper a little bit too late or the fact that you need a little extra time on one of your assignments, whatever. Um, let's just, you know, be human with each other. Uh, there's little enough of that going around these days as it is. Um, but enough preface, um, let's actually talk about what we're going to be doing in this class. Um, so, first off, you will look at the syllabus and see all of like the specific information. My uh, name and email address, um, stuff like the section number and, you know, dumb things like that. Um, this will be useful down the road, but probably not so useful to us at this point, and probably doesn't need a whole lot of explanation. Um, so the first thing that you really need to focus on, the first thing that we really need to talk about, is the textbook. Um, I have been using the Classics of Western Philosophy 8th Edition for a long time. It is an amazing textbook. Like, I have never wanted to move away from this textbook. I get the emails from different textbook manufacturers all the time. They're like, look at this fancy new textbook! And I'm like, I don't care, because my textbook is awesome, and I do not want to change it. Um, 
It has been around for a while, um, obviously, since I've been teaching out of it so long. Um, it is also really cheap. Like, it's 30 to $40 at most of the places that I can find it. Um, it is likely available in the bookstore. If not, feel free to track it down on Amazon. Um, it is basically just a giant freaking anthology. Um, like, no actual written material, nobody explaining stuff to you. It's literally just text after text after text after text from great philosophers. Um, and that's what we're going to be doing in this class, primarily. We're going to read philosophy um, as it was written by the philosophers through history. So we're not going to get a whole lot of summaries. Instead, we're going to go right to the source whenever possible. Um, because I think you can do that. Um, now, there's, this is not everybody's approach when they come to philosophy. Like, many people like this sort of primary source, first-person account approach. Um, I certainly do, or I wouldn't teach it this way. Um, but a lot of people go with the more summary or more topical approach. And the reason why I don't do that is, again, because, first off, I think you can handle this. Like, I've helped lots of students understand this in the past. B, um, or second, like... I think it's more interesting. Like, I think it gives you an opportunity to engage with this material on a deep, meaningful level. Um, like, why would you settle for, here is a summary of debates in philosophy, when you could, like, literally get into the philosophy and see the debate happening firsthand? Um, a lot of these are important historical sources. They changed the way that we human beings think about the world or about the various topics that they've brought up. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is really readable. Like, it's not, you know, it's old for sure, and it's difficult, and it's dense, and I do not want to de-emphasize that. Um, but this is this is one part history, and one part literature, and one part, you know, philosophy as the study of thought. And it all is very much there when you read an actual philosophical text that people have been reading and rereading and talking about for literally thousands of years in some cases. Um, so I definitely want to do that. Like, I want us to read these primary sources and engage with these great historical writers. Um, but the downside is a lot of them are going to be old. Like, over the course of this semester, we're going to talk about some ancient Greek philosophers dating back like 2,500 years. Um, we're going to talk about a couple of medieval philosophers dating back like 1,700 years respectively. We're going to talk about the blooming period of modern philosophy back in the 16th and 17th centuries, um, which is really exciting. There's a lot of cool stuff going on there. Um, and then we're going to bring it all the way up to modern existentialism at the early half of the 20th century. Um, so we're going to go over 2,000 years of philosophy in a semester, and that is an insane undertaking that nobody should do because there's just so much. Um, but I think, again, that we can pull this off and it's good to look this deeply. But the downside is not all of these written works are going to be equally accessible. Um, some of this is going to be really difficult reading. In fact, especially with some of those medieval philosophers, I suspect that it will be the most difficult reading you will undertake during your college career unless you go on to get like a degree in English or philosophy for that matter and end up reading crazy stuff like James Joyce or Marcel Proust or Immanuel Kant. Like... There are very few read or readings more difficult in your average undergrad uh, curriculum than what you will find in an intro philosophy class that chooses to go this way. Um, but don't let that scare you. Um, like, 
it's going to be really difficult reading, but I balance this out by only giving you a little bit of reading to do at a time. Um, that will vary a little bit between the Sussex class, which has like a full semester to do this, and then the late start Bergen class, which will, you know, have to make the readings a little bit longer uh, in order to accommodate this. Um, but generally speaking, you're not going to get more than 20 pages of reading in a week. Um, and I know that that's, you know, sometimes a little bit daunting, like it may be more than you're used to from high school, but at the same time, like this is nowhere near the sort of expectations that you would get from an English class where it's like, here's a novel, read it in this week or two weeks. Um, so you're literally talking about like 60 to 100 pages every week, um, minimum. Um, that is not my plan for this class. Um, instead, I want to focus on reading deeply. Um, I want us to take these texts apart, like piece by piece, phrase by phrase, argument by argument. I want us to look at them and like evaluate them, analyze them, um, understand exactly how an argument functions on a very basic level. Um, so instead of going for what you're used to from your high school classes or your English classes, instead of going for content, um, I'm looking for analysis. I'm looking for you to understand the scope of the argument, the implications of the argument, um, and how exactly the argument works on like a basic uh, practical level. Um, which means that we're going, to, we're going to read really deeply, really closely. Um, and I highly recommend taking the time that you would spend reading like the 60 pages that you would spend in an English class and instead read the same text over and over again. Um, when I originally took my intro to philosophy class many, many years ago, um, the professor recommended that we read each text three times and I took it to heart. Um, in fact, I think I read the first couple of readings four or five times. A, because I was fascinated in it, like I was that dork. Um, but B, because it helped to illuminate what was going on in the text. It helped me to understand what the text was doing. Because um, this is going to be very unlike what you're used to. You know, like, this is not literature. There are no characters. Or if there are, then they really are just stand-ins for philosophical ideas and principles. Um, we are not going to have, like, you know, this person does this, and then this happens, and then this is an important plot point, and then this is the theme. Like, no, we are going to be talking about this from the perspective of, here is this argument, what is the author trying to say, how are they communicating it, and so on. Um, so if you're not used to it, and I don't expect you to be, it's going to be difficult. So reread the material multiple times, and when in doubt, don't panic over it. We will go over it. Um, you do not need to understand everything on your first time out with a new philosopher. Um, that's part of this process. Um, but my goal by the end of the semester is to have you in a place where you can approach any new philosophical text and know how to read it, um, know how to understand it, know what to look for. Um, not be scared when you pick up Hegel or Kant for the first time, even though they're super difficult, because you've read Hume and Descartes and other philosophers, and you know what to expect and what to look for. Um, that's the goal here. So on the one hand, these are deep, meaningful, important texts, and we're going to be reading them closely and deeply, so definitely take your time with them, definitely pace yourself, read them multiple times if you can at all afford to. 
But on the other hand, don't panic because I'm going to help you through every stage of the way. We're going to work through this together. Um, if it becomes overwhelming, just push through, try and understand as much as you can, and then go back and try it again after you hear the lecture or however you want to do this. Um, now, as to what we're actually talking about, like the obvious subject here is we're going to talk about philosophy. Um, and that really isn't all that helpful. Like, we'll spend some time probably in the next lecture um, or down the road talking about exactly what philosophy involves, like what are the various subgenres of philosophy, what are the various things that philosophy talks about, um, what are, you know, the, the sort of historical periods involved. All of that will come through, um, for sure. We will discuss exactly what philosophy involves later. Um, but for the time being... Philosophy is the study of wisdom, sort of. Like, it's not even that. The term philosophia in the, in the Greek is a compound word. Um, it's two words mashed together. Philo, love of, like friendly love, not erotic love, of Sophia, wisdom. So not the study of wisdom, the love of wisdom. Um, we philosophers don't necessarily have a rigorous methodology underlying our process. In fact, the methodology kind of is the process more often than not. Um, methodology, like the way that you go about learning things. In biology, it's very straightforward. This is how you do it. Here is the scientific method. This is what you follow all of the time. Um, in history, like there are various methodologies, but once you ascribe to one, you will adopt it and follow it all the time. In philosophy, adapting to new methodology is what you do. Um, that is what we always do. We learn differently under the guidance of every new philosopher. Um, and that means basically like learning a new way to think every time that you encounter a new writer or a new thinker. Um, but we'll talk about that more later on in the class. So don't worry about it for now. Um, so if you're looking at all those course competencies or other fancy like super academic jargon uh don't panic about that most of that is there just to you know make sure that everybody in the in the department is on the same page and everybody is teaching philosophy in roughly the same way um so we'll just gloss right over that and instead let's talk about conduct so when it comes to conduct you may be looking at different things depending on which school you're you're looking at and which syllabus you're looking at and so on but there are a few important points that i do want to in fact emphasize before we get any further on in the class um and most of this is not new like i expect it's pretty boilerplate you shouldn't be terribly shocked um to hear any of this but you know it's worth repeating and worth mentioning at the very least um so first of all I stress that late assignments will automatically be penalized, minus 20 points without prior consultation with the professor. Um, now, this is kind of a lie. Like, to be honest, especially under the circumstances with the whole coronavirus outbreak and everything going to hell in a handbasket, um, I am going to be really lenient about due dates and extensions and so on and so forth. Um, but what I want to really stress here is that... Um, there is a huge, huge, huge difference between coming to me 24 hours before a paper is due and saying, Professor, you know, something happened, like my we're out of power, or there's been a death in the family, or I had to take care of my family, or, you know, whatever. Um, 
and as a result, I'm not going to be able to turn the paper in on time. Can you give me an extension? And in that case, I will almost certainly say, you know, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like, you can absolutely have an extension. Take another day, take another two days, take the weekend, take a whole other week if necessary. Um, I want to see your best work. There's a huge difference between that conversation and the conversation when you come to me 24 hours after the paper is due and say, oh, professor, oh my gosh, I can't believe I missed the due date. I was so busy at home. There was all this stuff going on. And then I'm going to be like, I have to take 10 points off. I am willing to give you extensions and I am absolutely willing to look the other way when shit happens because shit will inevitably happen this semester. Um, but for the most part, the, the best way to, for me to deal with this and the best way for you to deal with this, the best way for you to get the benefit of the doubt from me is to make sure I'm on the same page with you as soon as it's possible. Um, like I'm not going to freak out if you don't turn in your paper within like 10 minutes of the due date. I'd never take points off if it's that close. Um, but if you, there, there's a big difference between like stringing me along and, you know, like messing with my head and trying to, you know, just blow off the assignment without actually getting punished for it and actually, you know, keeping up a conversation with me. If you need help, I will absolutely give it to you. It is in like, I want to help you succeed in this class. That is my goal. Um, I want to do what it takes to see your best work. And if that means giving you an extra day or giving you an extra week or, you know, sitting down with you metaphorically on the like online in some way um, to talk about drafts of your paper or your writing style or whatever, then I will do that as much as I am able to, as much as I've got the time to spend on it. Um, but like just feel comfortable letting me know what you need. Um, if you come to me 24 hours beforehand, I will totally help you out and I will be totally sympathetic. But if you come to me 24 hours afterward, I'm going to be suspicious and I'm going to be concerned. Um, just save yourself the trouble. Let me know. Like if you in fact have to run off to a funeral or something, just shoot me an email, say, Hey professor, um, I know that we've got this due date coming up and I don't have a lot of time to talk, but I got to be with my family right now. That's all you need to say. And I'll be like, okay, here's your extension. Let me know if you need more time. Um, so like if I don't hear from you at all, yeah, I'm going to take points off and eventually it'll be a zero. If I do not ever see an assignment from you, um, that will be non-negotiable. You've got to do the work in this class in order to get the grade. Um, but I will work with you as much as I can to make sure that, you know, your circumstances are accommodated, um, that I get the chance to see your best work or at least the best that you can afford to give me under your situation. Um, so don't, don't like, don't be afraid of me is I guess what it comes down to. Um, uh, like I know that I have this very deep intimidating voice and that I am only ever going to be to you a face on the far end of a telephone line, so to speak, because now everything is wireless. Um, but don't feel afraid to like talk to me, to send me an email, to send me a message through Canvas or through Moodle, um, to open up a dialogue with me. Like if you were confused about the material or if you need help with an assignment or whatever, just let me know. 
um, and I will help in any way that I can. You are not bothering me. You are not pestering me. My time is not so valuable that you cannot possibly interrupt whatever I'm doing. Like, sometimes I may think that that's the case, but I am wrong. Um, I am here for you. I am here to help. Um, so don't be a stranger. Like, let me know what's going on at whatever, whenever you need the help that you need. Um, now, the one exception to this is plagiarism. Nobody tolerates plagiarism, and I do not tolerate plagiarism because I am a person. Um, plagiarism will not be tolerated. Plagiarized assignments will immediately receive zero credit. This is as close to a hard, fast rule as you're going to find in this class. Like, it's just don't mess with it. Um, if you plagiarize, you get a zero on the assignment. It's going to be that direct. Um, so just, like, don't even flirt with it. It's, it's not worth it. Like, in order to properly snow me, you will have to put in more time and effort than you would if you just wrote the damn paper in the first place. Um, so don't plagiarize. We'll come back to this. Third, um, students should conduct themselves professionally and should preserve the classroom setting as a place for free intellectual discourse. Um, and again, this one, I suspect, is familiar to you, but I want to sort of just contextualize this a bit. Um, so I realize that the world is a giant flaming garbage pile of shit right now. Um, it is, like, people are angrier than ever. People are like vehemently political and polarized right and left and it seems like you can't go online for five minutes without finding yourself embroiled in some like shouting match between political opponents or like violently passionate people just arguing for the sake of arguing perhaps even in bad faith um i get that i understand that that's a thing but you have to understand from my angle that we cannot do that in this class. Um, like, I realize that the rules of the internet allow us to sort of adopt these caricatures of ourselves. That we get to, like, act like an asshole because there's zero consequences and because sometimes it's just fun to mess with people and whatever. Um, I have never been terribly into that just because me, but I realize that that's a thing that people do. Um, we don't deal with issues on the internet, we post memes about them, and we make them funny, and we belittle them, and we boil them down to their, like, most basic, most repeatable, most mimetic quality. Uh, we make memes, in short. And that's cool on the internet, don't do it in this class. Um, when I say that students should conduct themselves professionally, part of that is because this is serious stuff. Um, we are going to be talking about very serious issues in this class. Philosophy very much is the study of the stuff that is foundational to who we are. Questions like, is there a God? Um, questions like, what is free will and do we have it? Questions like, do we have an obligation to one another? Or should we just look out for ourselves? Like, these are questions that I deal with on a regular basis in my ethics classes, in my intro classes, wherever. And we're going to run into them. Um, we're going to run into some of these hot-button political and religious issues. Um, and if we're going to talk about them in here, if we're going to feel free, comfortable talking about them in here, you know, nobody can feel attacked when that happens. Um, and I realize that, like, this is really freaking difficult. We are not normally trained to do this. Um, like, I imagine, because I've 
I have virtually the same rules in my family. I imagine that every time that you get together with like all of your different family members from all of their different backgrounds with all of their different conflicting perspectives, that there are like secret implicit rules in place. Like we all meet for Thanksgiving dinner, but there's a rule. You don't talk about Trump because it'll make Aunt What's-Her-Face and Uncle What's-His-Name and so-and-so really, really mad and it'll get violent and like people will get drunk and it'll be bad. We do not have that luxury in here. Um, we cannot just ignore these topics. We cannot just pretend that they don't exist. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, does God exist? And if so, what does he look like? We're going to talk about, you know, do we have free will? Um, we're going to talk about what makes a human being a human being. We're going to talk about when are we responsible for our actions and when are we excused for them. Um, and this is heavy-duty stuff. Like, this ties into major hot-button issues like, abortion um like what is a human being like is there a true god to believe in and are people wrong about this and what i'm going to stress more often than not is not you know we can all get along and we can all agree instead i'm going to stress you know there are disagreements um you cannot have it both ways um, I'm going to strongly encourage you to pick a side and stand up for it multiple times in this class, not just like in the papers, but also in your conversations, like on the discussion boards, um, anywhere that you talk about this stuff. And I want to stress, like, there's nothing wrong with having an opinion. Like, you should absolutely have opinions, believe in things, and back them up. Um, but there is a huge, huge, huge difference between backing up your opinions by making a well-crafted, well-reasoned, articulated argument and just shrieking at people. Um, we, in this class, are going to practice, going to get good at making cogent, rational arguments, backing up your convictions with good, solid evidence and good reasoning. Um, that's what all of the philosophers we're going to read in here do, and that's what we should be doing as well. Um, it won't change the fact that it is your belief, that it may be based in opinion, that it may be subjective at the end of the day. Like, there are some interesting conversations that we will definitely have about the whole subjective-objective distinction. Um, but at the same time, you know, don't you can't be afraid to back that up. Um, and the key, at least in my mind... The key to this whole, like, how do you have a civil conversation about stuff that is so, like, important to us as, you know, is there a God because that might involve our eternal salvation or wasting our entire lives. The only way that we can have that conversation without, like, it devolving into shrieking and madness is if we recognize that there is a fundamental difference between the idea that you have and the person who has it. Um, we need to talk about the ideas. Does God exist? Yes or no. Is this a defensible position or is this a position that is not defensible? Is it good to believe in God or is it bad to believe in God? Um, is God like a rational concept or is it self-contradictory? These are conversations we need to have in this class. But what we don't need to do is say that you're a moron if you believe in God. Um, because that's not warranted. It's not justified. Um, the idea may be defensible or indefensible. We may think that the idea can't stand up to scrutiny. But at the end of the day, 
that's got to be different from the person who believes in God, the person who believes pro-life or pro-choice, the person who agrees with this idea versus the person who disagrees with that, this idea. Um, so that's the line, at least for me. Um, talk about the ideas, and I want it to be important to you. Like, I don't want you to just blow it off to pretend like nothing matters. It does matter. Like, it has huge repercussions for the world and for us and for what we believe and for how we act and for how we conduct ourselves. Like, do not belittle this stuff. Um, but do not turn it into a personal grudge match. Um, if a person attacks your idea, defend your idea, not yourself. So, Likewise, if you are attacking somebody's idea, attack the idea and not the person. Um, this gets conflated online all the time. Like literally within the last 24 hours, I have responded to people who were attacking my political idea with personal attacks on Facebook and on social media and elsewhere. Like this happens all the time. We do not draw lines here. Um, but in this class, we have to because we need to talk about this stuff, we need to talk about it seriously, and we need to talk about it in a way that makes everyone safe at the same time. Um, so I want it to get tense in here. I want us to feel put on the spot defending these ideas that we hold very dearly. Um, I want us to sweat, in short. But I don't want blood, and I don't want tears. So in order to avoid that, you have to first off and most obviously not make it personal. Like, I will totally stomp on you if you attack someone in this class rather than an idea that they are presenting. Um, and if I don't, call me out on it. Like, by all means, if I am letting someone just steamroll another student, that sucks, and I should not be allowing that. So get on my case. But on the other side, and this is a little trickier, don't take it personally. Um, recognize that you know, they're like, I know that we hold these ideas very dearly and they are very like intrinsic to who we are. And like, if you believe in God, that is a major part of your identity as a human being. Uh, but there is a huge difference between a person attacking your idea and a person attacking you. Um, defend your idea, stand up for it, but don't jump to the conclusion that you are being personally attacked. Um, give your fellow students the benefit of the doubt, in short. Give me the benefit of the doubt, because I'm going to screw up from time to time. Um, and then only take it personally when there's no other possible interpretation at hand. When somebody goes so far as to say, you're stupid, or that's stupid, or, you know, like, I can't believe that you think that. Like, that's too far. That's the line. And that's where I'll step in, if all goes well. Um, so again, like, treat each other with respect, in short. Um, treat each other like human beings, capable of reasoning, capable of thought, capable of having good ideas that disagree with your good ideas. Uh, we'll talk about this. Like, we, we will absolutely get into these conversations. Stand up for what you believe in, but don't let that become just a grudge match. Don't let it become personal. Does that make sense? All right. Connected to that is my last point. This is philosophy. Questions and mistakes are encouraged. And I realize, like, this is a kind of hard thing to swallow. Um, I realize that, you know, you coming to my class online or otherwise 
is just one tiny little part of what's going on in your life at this point as far as like your relationship with your family and your relationship with your friends and fellow students um, I realized that like in the course of this class these same people who you will be debating with the same people who you will be going online and having conversations with are the people who you know are your friends or are your enemies or are the people who you are dating or like I don't even know there's so much complexity to the social dynamics here and I like it's none of my business and I don't want it to be any of my business but where it becomes my business um, is when it interferes with your ability to learn and I realized that, like, as a college student, as a young person, as a human being in general, um, you have a certain social obligation to look capable, strong, confident, like you know what you're talking about. Um, what I want to stress is, stop. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, none of us do. I don't know what I'm talking about, and I've been teaching this for four years and studying it for another, like, ten. Um... This is difficult stuff, and most of the questions we raise in this class will not have answers, or at least not very clear, obvious, self-evident, and provable answers. Um, we're going to be spending a lot of time in gray area. We're going to be spending a lot of time confused. We're going to spend a lot of time not knowing what's going on, and that's a good thing. Um, philosophy is about questions more than it is about answers. It is about admitting what we don't know more than looking like we're really smart. Um, and the thing about this is it doesn't jive with those social mores and social responsibilities. Like, you can get way farther in life looking confident and looking like you know what you're talking about than you will if you spend it perpetually taken off guard, perpetually looking stupid or mistaken. But the funny thing about being stupid and making mistakes is that that's when you learn the most. Like, you don't learn anything from confidenting your way through life, from just bullshitting your way through every interaction, pretending like you know what you're talking about. You learn when you say something dumb and everybody laughs at you. You learn when you make a mistake and you feel bad about it. Um... You learn when you admit that you have something to learn, in short. You learn when you recognize that you don't know something. Because otherwise you just assume. And, you know, then you're frequently wrong and it doesn't matter because you just pretend like you're not. And that doesn't get you anywhere. Um, so if you want to learn something in this class, and I assume you do because you're taking it and are not actually PhD scholars in philosophy at this point in time, then you have to be willing to look dumb from time to time. You have to be willing to raise your hand or post something dumb on the discussion boards or say something stupid um, and let everyone see that you don't necessarily know what you're talking about. You have to be willing to admit that, in short. Um, and don't be afraid to. Like, I'm going to be requiring those discussion board posts every week. I fully encourage you, if you don't know the answer to a question, say that. Say, I don't know. Like, here is this passage that I read that I thought was interesting and thought talked about that, but I'm not entirely sure what's being said here. Like, don't just say, I don't know, and, like, knock off for lunch. That doesn't help anyone. Um, say, I don't know, and this is why. This is what I struggled with. This is what I failed to understand. This is what I thought it meant, but this is what I, why I think that that might be wrong. In short, leave your pride at the door. 
Um, recognize that within the boundaries of this class, your primary obligation is to look dumb and learn new stuff. Um, and hopefully, because everybody is hearing this lecture, once again, we'll give each other the benefit of the doubt and nobody will think less of you for, you know, putting yourself out there and figuring out something you didn't know before. Um, hopefully we will all do that at some point in time in this class. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to look dumb. I will honestly praise you more for, you know, a bad or mistaken question um, than I will if you just sit silently in the back of the class and hope that you get everything you need to know from other people asking questions or, you know, the lectures or whatever else that you encounter. Um, you'll do way better in here if you make mistakes, in short. Um, so make some mistakes. Like, get geared up for it. Prepare to look silly. Um, Lord knows I'm going to look silly by the end of this. Like, multiple times. Just, just you watch. I will miss one of the, like, belches that I accidentally make during recording of these lectures, and you will hear me all burp, like, for all the world to see. It'll happen. Um, I will look dumb. I will make mistakes. Um, so join me. <laughs> get comfortable looking dumb and making mistakes. All right, now, next item of business, disabilities and special accommodations. Um, if you have a disability, if you have special accommodations, if you are registered with the office that handles that at your various institution, um, let me know as soon as possible. Like, it's real easy for me to give you extra time on quizzes or other assignments um, or to give you a little bit more leeway for some of the written assignments. That is all stuff that can be done, but I need to know to do it. Um, so just contact me beforehand, like, as soon as possible, possibly, you know, pause the lecture and just write an email to me right now while you are thinking of it. Um, better that I know as soon as possible and can help as much as I can than, like, let you, you know, atrophy away in the class uh, with no idea that I need to give you a little bit more assistance. Um, so just, like I said, let me know as soon as possible. Don't be a stranger. Next, academic integrity. Again, would you look at that? Um, plagiarism will not be tolerated. Plagiarized assignments will immediately receive zero credit. It is important enough to say twice. Um, the reason why I do stress this as much as I do is because I don't think I've had a single semester, I don't think I've had a single class for that matter. And I've taught like a good 25 of them at this point in time where somebody didn't plagiarize. Like I've had classes where there were literally eight students and one of them plagiarized an assignment. Like, I don't know why. Um, what I want to emphasize, like what frequently comes up every time that this happens is I will confront the student and I will say, student, you plagiarized this assignment. And they'll be like, no, I didn't. And I will say, well, look, I have this whole line from your paper and it matches this line on Sparknotes or Wikipedia. Obviously you took it word for word. And then I will hear one of two things, either dead silence, and they will just never speak to me again because of presumably shame, or they will say, oh, I didn't know I was plagiarizing. Let's fix that, shall we? What is plagiarism actually? Um, there are really three kinds of plagiarism, at least as I've encountered it in my experience as a professor. 
The first and most obvious kind of plagiarism is a student takes a whole chunk of something else that somebody else wrote, like they copy and paste an entire paragraph or an entire page of Sparknotes into their paper with no explanation, just as though they wrote it themselves, and then they submit it to me. That's obviously plagiarism. Like, you just copied and pasted it from some other source, it is not your original work, therefore it is plagiarism, you get a zero on the assignment, and the conversation is over. Um, but I have noticed that students have gotten a little bit more creative in recent memory. Um, there are increasing numbers of papers that are basically that, like an entire page of Sparknotes copy and pasted into their paper, but like every third or fourth word is, has been changed to something that means the same thing, to a synonym. Um, so, you know, you'll be reading along and like the original text is, you know, so-and-so went to the riverbank to catch fish. And now it says something like, so-and-so went to the sea bank to catch fish. And that that's, you know, sneaky. Like, now it's not officially word for word, so when I type it into Google, it doesn't actually come up. Um, but the thing is, I always catch it anyway. Like, it is still word-for-word -word plagiarism. Just because you changed every fourth or fifth word using Grammarly or some other fancy algorithm does not change the fact that you were copying this thing word-for-word -word and then just, you know, presenting it as your own ideas. Um, but also, more frequently than not, it doesn't make sense. Like, if you have ever tried to, you know, translate an entire sentence or like an entire paragraph or tried to do your French homework by typing stuff into Google Translate and just copying and pasting whatever it spits out, that doesn't work. Like, it doesn't work at all, usually because it comes out as gobbledygook. Like, computers are pretty good at a lot of things, but they are, do not understand context and they do not understand how language works and it will be a long, long time before they do. Um, so more often than not, instead of getting the sentence, you know, I went to the sea bank and went fishing, you end up with something like, I went to the river financial institution and went fishing. And you don't fish at financial institutions, you fish at banks on, in rivers. But when you wrote bank, you didn't mean bank in the sense of financial institution, you meant bank like in the edge of a river. So now it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, so when I see st stuff like this, like people using weird vocabulary in weird places that doesn't flow with the rest of the sentence and only kind of means what they think it means, I start doing Google searches and I, you know, poke around on Turnitin a little more and lo and behold, it's plagiarism. I can usually track it down to the source. Once again, the student gets a zero. Frequently they'll put up a fight with me over it. Doesn't matter, still a zero, still busted and they still fail the assignment. It's still plagiarism, in short. So don't do it. Once again, it rarely ever works. It does not snow people. Like, I can usually see these papers from a mile away. Don't do it. Uh, now, the third type of plagiarism is the most ambiguous and the one that students do honestly struggle with from time to time. So, you know, I am willing to give a little bit more leeway on this one. Um, this is paraphrase. So if, in fact, you are looking at this great argument on Sparknotes, like you are looking at, you know, an analysis of Descartes' argument from Meditation 3 on the existence of God, and Sparknotes, like, breaks it down in a way that's really, really elegant, and you really like the way that they describe it. So you think to yourself, I want to use this argument. Um, and you 
basically reproduce the argument, the, the ideas that Sparknotes presents, but you put it all in your own words. Um, the trouble is, at the end of the day, I look at it and I'm like, hmm, this seems awfully familiar. And when I go to Sparknotes, I see that the whole argument is presented in two paragraphs. Paragraph one has point A, B, C. Paragraph two has point D, E, F. And then I look at your paper, and lo and behold, in two paragraphs, I see you have in the first paragraph point A, B, C, and the second paragraph point D, E, F. And I'm like, ah, you clearly copied this argument, this idea from Sparknotes. This is a paraphrase, but it is still somebody else's idea, represented as your own, and therefore is once again plagiarism zero, you do not get credit for the assignment. But the thing about paraphrase is that it can be fixed so easily because all you need to do is cite it. Like, it's your own words, you're doing the work, you definitely found the material, it's just, you know, this is research. So if you literally put at the end of this paragraph a footnote that says, hey, found this on Sparknotes, P.S. we'll talk about footnotes in a little bit, um, if you literally just say at the end of your paper, P.S. I use Sparknotes for this assignment, then we're good. Like, you get full credit for the assignments, good job for finding another resource, good job for recognizing a good argument, full credit, no problem. And the same is actually true with the other forms of plagiarism as well. Like, if you copy an entire page of Sparknotes into your paper and just say, P.S. I took this from Sparknotes, it will not be plagiarism. You might have other problems, especially if you don't include anything else, like you do need to present some of your own ideas in addition to whatever you find online, but it won't be a plagiarism problem. So here's the rule of thumb, cite everything. Like if you don't know the difference between plagiarism and not plagiarism, then just cite it, cite everything. It's like if you went to Wikipedia to get help for your reading, fine, great, awesome, tell me. Just tell me, that's all you need to do. Like at the end of your response paper, write, P.S. Professor, I used Wikipedia when I was writing this assignment. That's it. That's all you need. Like even if you don't know whether you plagiarized or not, like just cite it. And let me emphasize, use everything out there. Um, like I know that there are professors out there who are like, do not use Sparknotes. It is a bad source and it is not academic. That's not me. Um, I know that these readings are going to be difficult, and I know that you're going to struggle with them, and I know you're probably going to want help with them. So go look for stuff. Go find stuff on Sparknotes. Go read Wikipedia. Go to the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. It is this amazing site that has all of this information about literally everything we talk about in this class and way more subjects besides. It is written by philosophers. It is edited by philosophers. It is published by philosophers. It's amazing. Like, just type SEP in whatever you're writing and you will get really cool stuff out of Google because the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy is amazing. It is what I use whenever I encounter anything in philosophy that I don't really understand. Um, it's probably more dense than you'd like, but it is really comprehensive and I highly recommend using it, especially when we get closer to the research paper. But just tell me. Just say, I used the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy when I was writing this paper. Um, just say, I used Wikipedia and we're good. Like, if you don't want to get caught for plagiarism in this class, A, don't plagiarize, but B, cite everything, and we won't have problems, and you won't make mistakes, and now you understand how plagiarism works, so you will know when you're doing it. Um, but seriously, if you do have questions about this, don't sit on it. Like, email me, send me messages, let's clear this up now. Um, before you take more classes, before you have other problems. Um, never mind my assignments, like, yeah, they're important for our purposes, but, like, 
you don't want to get busted for plagiarism for writing some big important paper for your major um absolutely talk to me about it let's get this sorted out as soon as we possibly can um now as for the actual way that this class is going to work like never mind the practicalities the conduct and so on like that's important but let's let's talk big picture um what exactly is this class going to look like um and i know this is tricky like online classes kind of suck that way because it's very difficult to get a grasp on what the professor expects from you at any given time because you're not interacting with them on a regular basis um which is why i include this section in the syllabus now how to be a student in this class um like ever since the covid thing went down i was just like let's just let's just make this super clear because otherwise it's going to get way too confusing way too quickly um so here's the basics this is what i will expect this is what i recommend that you do on a week-to-week -week basis um first and foremost don't let yourself drift like the temptation to disengage is going to be enormous you will always have things that you would rather do than classwork for this class um, it will always be just a little bit stressful getting on and making sure that you do your discussion posts for the week or emailing me rather than just like letting this question that you have lie or, you know, even letting a deadline just kind of squeak right by you because you didn't remember exactly which week it was. Oftentimes students think it's easier to just sort of like pretend it didn't happen and go for weeks on end without admitting that they've made a mistake than actually fix it. Um, and P.S. that's the worst possible thing to do in this situation. Like the best possible thing to do when you're like, oh no, I missed an assignment is to email me and say, oh no, I missed an assignment. How do I fix it? And then we'll talk about it and we'll figure it out. But if you go radio silent, I have no idea what's going on. So first and foremost, don't let that happen. Like if you do get stressed out of your mind, if you do need to take a week off from class, fine, do it. Like, we are all stressed out of our mind. The world is a freaking nightmare to just be a person in anymore. Um, so if you need a day off or a week off or two weeks off or hell, a month off, go, do it. Make sure that you take care of yourself first. Um, this class should not be the most important thing in your life. If it is, you're doing life wrong. Um, like, I will stress its importance, absolutely, but, you know, it's still not, no, it's not the most important thing in my life. It shouldn't be the most important thing in yours. Um, so if you need time, if you need a mental health week, take it. Um, just stay on the same page with me. Like, it'll go better for you in the long run. It may be a little bit stressful now, but better that than mountains of stress later. Um, so just, like don't let yourself drift don't let yourself disengage um fight to stay focused fight to keep coming back to the material week after week after week um now as to what the actual weeks should look like either on canvas or on uh moodle you will see that i've laid out the class as carefully and as precisely and as orderly as i can um, everything should be laid out chronologically week to week so you know exactly what you're reading and what you're responsible for and where the lectures are every single week. Um, it should be really easy. You should be able to look at it at a glance from the modules page on Canvas or the home page on Moodle. Um, but what I'm basically going to expect every week um, is that 
you start by reading the material. Like virtually every week there's going to be something to read or you know in the next week there's going to be a couple videos to watch um, on various philosophical things like philosophy and pop culture and stuff like that. Um, make sure you do that first. Like, again, with the readings especially, I recommend doing them twice. Like, especially when we're doing Plato, because Plato is really, really short. We're only going to be reading, like, four pages a week, so absolutely read it two, three times. Get into that habit. Um, but start there. Start with the reading. Then, once you've read it once, maybe even twice, listen to the lecture I've uploaded. Um, I am uploading these lectures for all of my classes, so some of the little fiddly details may differ from class to class. Again, Canvas equals Moodle, Moodle equals Canvas. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, the material is going to be the same. Like, it's still going to be Plato when we talk about the Euthyphro, it's still going to be Aquinas when we talk about Aquinas, and so on and so forth. Um, so listen to the lecture. Read the material, read it twice, listen to the lecture. Then get on the discussion board, start talking to people. Um, talk to your fellow students, answer the discussion questions that I've provided. Feel free to ask me questions. Um, I suspect I will not be online very consistently because I've got like four sets of discussion boards to monitor over the next semester, as well as all the other stuff that I'm doing. Um, but I will jump on from time to time. So if you need to like get in touch with me, feel free to email me or send me a message on Canvas in addition to whatever you're posting in the discussion board and we'll sort it out. Um, but after you read, after you listen to the lecture, get on the discussion board, start talking about this stuff. Um, interact with each other. Like, we don't have a classroom, so we can't, like, talk in person. This is as close as we're going to get, so hopefully that'll work. Um, then, after you have done that, complete any assignments for the week. Um, and that will usually be a reading, or a reading quiz or a reading response. Those are the sort of default assignments that I turn to. Uh, later on in the semester, we'll have some of the more big-ticket items, like the uh, analysis paper and the research paper. We'll talk about more those more in a moment, and then even more later on as we get closer to it. But that's the basic structure of the class. Every week, starting, I recommend, on Saturday and Sunday, because we're basically going to like wrap around every Friday is going to be due dates. Um, every week, read the material, preferably two or three times, listen to lecture, go hit the discussion boards and start talking to each other, and then complete all the assignments, the reading quizzes and so on. Um, just get into that habit every week, every week. Read the material, listen to the lecture, participate in the discussion boards, complete all the assignments every week. Um, I like You'll ask me questions like, Professor, what am I supposed to do this week? And I will literally repeat this again. Read the material, listen to the lecture, participate in the discussion boards, complete the assignments. Um, so get into that habit. Like I recommend reserving like two or three days a week for this class or two or three like hours in the week at various points, like get into the habit of doing your reading on Saturday, reading it again on Sunday, listening to the lecture on Monday, um, participating in, on the discussion boards between Monday and Wednesday, doing the quizzes or any other assignments on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, like just make it a part of your schedule and it'll be easier to deal with. It'll be more difficult for you to sort of like break out of that habit. Um, so that's what I definitely recommend. Um, if there are changes, I'll let you know, usually through the announcements on Canvas or something corresponding like a giant mass email on uh, Moodle or something. Do be aware of that. 
because um, you know again shit happens and everything is subject to change um, so I'll, I'll keep you posted if stuff happens and the, and the format changes but in the meantime like I said read the material listen to the lecture participate in the discussion boards complete all the assignments um, those are going to be your responsibilities now, as to what the assignments actually are, like you'll notice, the rest of the syllabus is mostly devoted to that. So let's let's talk about the the major points here. Um, first and foremost are the reading quizzes. This is the most common kind of assignment. Um, virtually every week is going to have its own reading quiz, possibly two, depending on how I decide to work things with the Bergen students. Um, but you Sussex folk will never have to worry about two quizzes in a single week. Lucky you. Um, the quizzes are simultaneously very sort of simple and very straightforward and kind of very easy to understand and also murderously difficult. Um, they're all just 10 questions, multiple choice. Um, they're all conducted through Moodle or Canvas, like they're all online. Um, there is no time limit. I used to have time limits. I got rid of them because I found that they were so murderously hard that giving you a time limit was just completely unfair. Um, but also, let me stress, despite the fact that the questions are murderously hard, um, that's okay. Reading quizzes are not a huge component of your grade. Altogether, all of the quizzes in this class will only add up to 10% of your final grade. So you will not like fail the class because of a bad quiz grade moreover the quizzes are forgiving like as much as i insist that the questions are murderously hard um, at the end of the semester i'm dropping the two lowest grades um, so if shit happens if you miss a week for whatever reason like cannot take the quiz or you know there's a glitch as you're taking it and it like locks up and you get a two out of ten or something don't panic the grade is just going to get dropped um, if you tell me about it beforehand, I can probably open it back up for you and you can retake the quiz. Um, but if it's after the due date, I won't do that anymore. So, like, I highly recommend taking them at least a day in advance because then, you know, if shit happens, we can deal with it. Um, but also, if shit happens, don't worry about it. Like, if it's Saturday and you're like, crap, I missed the quiz and the professor will not open it for me, that's okay. Um, it'll get dropped. No big deal. What's more, there are going to be three extra credit assignments in this class. Technically four, because I'm also offering bounties on informal fallacies, as I'll discuss in the next lecture. Um, but every single one of those three extra credit assignments, um, you will get another quiz drop just for completing the extra credit assignment. Like, as long as you do it at all right... You will get another quiz drop, and you will get a 100% quiz grade in its place, which typically elevates your quiz grade much higher. Um, so don't panic if the quiz grades aren't good. They typically aren't. Uh, like the first one I tend to be fairly forgiving on. Like I typically give you two tries on the first quiz just so you can familiarize yourself with it. Um, that will not happen for any other quizzes, be aware. Um, but after that, like, they tend to plummet. Like, it's not irregular for a student to come to me at the end of the semester and have an average of, like, 6 out of 10, 60% on their quizzes. But then they complete a couple of extra credit assignments, and they, you know, get their two drops, and all of a sudden that's more like an 85. Um, so again, don't panic. The quizzes will not kill your grade. The idea behind the quizzes is that it keeps you honest. Make sure that you're doing the reading. Because, again, the questions are murderously hard. 
Your grade will, in fact, suffer, though not be tanked, by, you know, not reading closely. Um, so part of the trick here is the questions are geared to teach you to read these texts the way that I read them, to look for important details, to look for important turns in the argument, to see the main points that the author is trying to come across with, as well as important things that will have repercussions down the road for the history of philosophy. Um, so this is stuff that is really difficult to explain in person. Like, I can't tell you how to read a philosophy text. Um, it's just like too fuzzy, it's too learned. Um, it's not something I can articulate, um, though I can give you tips if you really are struggling and really want help. Um, but the best way for me to actually do this, to show you, is to sort of show you via these tests, these quizzes, to test you on did you pick up on these important details that I look at and I immediately see are important. Um, so don't panic if the grades aren't great. Um, definitely do take them seriously, but you know, we'll, we'll figure this out. Um, the second kind of assignment that you're going to run into on a regular basis is the response paper. Um, there will be two response papers in this class, um, at various times, like you'll see them, um, one will be for the Tao Te Ching, one will be for, I believe, Aquinas, um, though that may be subject to change. Um, the response papers, like the reading quizzes, are supposed to be real low stress. Um, they are not meant to be formal writing assignments where I, you know, am going to kill you with or kill your grade if you do not do it correctly. Um, in fact, just the opposite. The research paper and the analysis paper are tough. They are big assignments. They're worth like 40% of your grade. They're a big deal. Um, and I hope that you give it your all. And then I hope that you are like, I'm going to do my best to adequately prepare you for those assignments when they roll around. Um, but the response papers are literally one page and they're open-ended. Like I'm literally going to put as the prompt, respond to whatever it is that we read in class that week. Respond to the Tao Te Ching. Respond to Aquinas. And that's it. And at that point, you were free to write whatever you want. If you didn't understand the text, write that you didn't understand the text. Write specifically what you didn't understand about it. Write why you struggled with it. Like, propose possibilities for what the text meant, though you are not sure. Um, just write whatever springs to mind. Whatever connections you make to other texts that you've read in this class, to other stuff that you've read or watched on TV or in the movies or whatever. Like, show me that you were thinking. Um, and that's what I will be grading you on. I will not be grading you on, did you pick up on this extremely precise detail that I think is really important? No, I'm going to be looking for how did you think about this text and how did you write about it? Did you articulate your ideas well? Um, the response papers are meant to basically be practice. Um, when they roll around, I will give you a grade and the grade is kind of like coded. Um, depending on what grade you get, I will be sending you a message like this was really good and you did a great job picking out details here and a great job uh, telling me what you thought. Or it will be like, eh, you did a decent job, but you know, you're going to need to do better at some point. Or I will be literally saying like, I didn't understand the friggin' word you were saying and we really need to work on your writing before the major assignments come up. Um, and the goal here is that I do in fact want to help you 
with your writing at this point in time. Like one of the secondary goals of this class is to help you articulate yourself, to help you be able to express your ideas in a way that is clear and effective in a way that allows you to defend your ideas effectively. Um, so if in fact you are struggling with the response papers, what I'm kind of like poking you to do is to seek out help. Um, either by going to the Writing Center at SCCC or using the resources available at Bergen. I know that there's like lots of study skill centers and stuff available there. Um, or for that matter, to just talk to me about it. Um, like if you want feedback on your response paper, send me an email. Say, hey, professor, can you give me more detailed feedback about why I got the grade I did? And I will. Um, usually I ask for papers in person, like that's how I, I roll on this one. Like if you in fact want detailed feedback on your response paper, then turn in a hard copy. Obviously we can't do that because we are all online. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that if you want help, you can get it from me. Um, just let me know. Send me an email, send me a message, say, hey, professor, um, I am really looking for help with my writing this semester. I really want to be better prepared for my other classes and for my other classes down the road and for the big assignments in this class. So give me the feedback. Um, and I will mark it up. I will mark the living crap out of your paper. Like it will be covered in suggestions and remarks and so on. And it'll be a giant friggin' mess. And your initial thought will be, oh my God, he hates me. But that's not what I'm doing. My goal is to help you become a better writer, um, to help you express yourself in a way that is clearer and more effective. Um, so all to the good. Um, and if you want to become a better writer this semester, just let me know and I will help you do that as much as I can de dedicate the time to it. Um, the other thing that you will be doing most often is the discussion posts. Um, they're only the two response papers of the course of the semester, but the discussion board posts are going to be every week, like clockwork, even more consistent than the reading quizzes. Um, and the discussion posts are fairly self-explanatory, like we don't have an in-class component, therefore we cannot talk about this stuff with your fellow classmates, therefore you've got to get on the discussion posts and you've got to do it online. Um, every week I'm going to ask three discussion questions. Um, they're all pretty substantive questions having to do with the readings. Um, they're all sort of like hopefully controversial and, you know, stuff that will inspire some decent conversation. Um, you are required to respond to all three of the questions. In fact, you won't even see other students' responses until you post in the case of at least Sussex and hopefully Moodle as well. I don't know if I can pull that off. We'll find out. Um, at any rate, once you do, in fact, post your answer to the questions, you will also be required to respond at least once to one of the other students um, for a total of four posts every week. And I'm not talking about just like a smiley face or an I agree or a I like this, but you are welcome to do those in addition to your three substantive responses to the questions and also to, you know, your substantive response to somebody else. The idea is I want to keep this conversation going. Um, we should be talking about this stuff. Like, you will understand this material better if you are engaging in it with other students. So again, three, you've got to answer the three questions and you've got to respond to another student at least once. Um, it's a fairly decent amount of writing. That's kind of the way it goes, but I don't really see any other alternative in this case. Like, we've got to talk about this stuff. Um, and I want to encourage you to have the conversation, to, to make it more than just, you know, you learning philosophy in a vacuum while listening to me, like, talk at you through recorded lectures. Um, it should be real. So 
definitely post on the discussion boards four times every week. Um, now, the other stuff is the bigger assignments. Um, most of those we will confront down the road, but I'll just like give you a brief overview of what we're talking about in the meantime. Um, so first off, the two formal papers, the analysis paper and the research paper. Um, the analysis paper is a short two to three page paper. It is on Plato's Euthyphro. Um, we will spend two whole weeks reading the eight pages of the Euthyphro. Um, we're gonna dig really, 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 really deep into that particular book. Um, and we're going to like take the argument apart. We're going to look at the way that philosophy works in this particular case by looking at Socrates' arguments point by point. Um, we will, in the process, basically be talking about how to do the analysis paper. All I'm gonna ask in the analysis paper is that you reproduce that discussion. Um, explain how the argument works, in short. Um, but we'll talk about that more when we get deeper into the Euthyphro. The research paper is considerably more substantial. Um, we're talking about a four to five page paper. Um, it is going to involve a research component. I will expect you to go out and find other resources, other scholars talking about your material. You will notice that it has to answer one of the five questions I have provided. Um, and each of the five questions you will notice is devoted to like a subject that A is controversial, but also requires you to take a stance on that subject. So what attrib which attributes of God are critical to our understanding of who he is or would be, i.e. what makes God God, what makes an act of or being good or bad, an intrinsic quality or an extrinsic judgment, can religious truths be defended rationally or must they be founded on faith alone, which is most reliable, reason, revelation, relation or experience, is the problem of evil a compelling disproof of God's existence? In each case, I'm looking for you to take a stance. No wishy-washy English papers where everybody's right and really they all have a point. Like, no. I want you to take a side. I want you to fight for it, to defend it, to argue rationally for it. And I also want you to anticipate the objections of your intellectual opponents and refute them before they are made. That's how philosophy works. That's how basically all rhetoric and persuasion works. Um, so we'll talk about that in much greater detail down the road. I've even got a whole like video thing that I've made up for that. Um, so if you have any questions, we'll deal with them later. Uh, the one thing that I will tell you about now though is that I am going to expect you to use the Chicago Manual of Style to complete this paper. Um, like this is our one formal assignment in philosophy. CMS is kind of the ideal way of formatting your papers. You are probably familiar with MLA, maybe even APA at this point. Surprise, you're gonna learn Chicago style by the end of this class. I have a video on that as well. Um, but we'll talk about that more later in the class as well. I would just recommend that you be aware of it. You do not have to use Chicago style for any of the other assignments in this class, but I recommend you practice with it anyway. Like go ahead and cite Plato in the Euthyphro for your analysis paper using footnotes and Chicago style. It'll be good practice. Um, the last thing that you need to worry about, well, technically there are two things. There's the final exam. That's like the last major actual assignment that you're going to be dealing with. Um, that's a partially an objective exam, partially a written portion. We'll definitely talk about that way more down the road. Um, don't worry about that for now. 
And then there are the extra credit assignments, which, like I said, there will be three of them over the course of this class. Um, they will all correspond to other assignments. One will be for the analysis paper, one will be for the research paper, one will be for the final exam. Um, by completing the extra credits, you will get that dropped quiz that I promised, and you will also get an opportunity for bonus points on those assignments. So keep an eye out for those. We'll talk about them more as we get closer to them. Um, that's basically the size of it, though. Um, the rest of the syllabus is devoted to the schedule. Um, and the schedule, you don't need to worry about so much because, again, looking on the Canvas modules page or looking on Moodle's homepage, you should see everything laid out for you nice and neatly, um, chronologically, so you know exactly what's expected of you every single week in this semester. Um, so if you do have questions about the schedule, if you do have questions about, like, what am I supposed to be doing this week, feel free to email me or message me and we'll sort it out. Um, but in the meantime, you should be good to go. Uh, the last thing I want to sort of drive home, like, again, once again, do not be a stranger. Feel free to email me. Free, feel free to message me. If you do, in fact, want to have a conversation, like the closest thing to a face-to-face -face that we can pull off at this point, namely like a conversation in real time online, um, let me know. Uh, I am scheduling my office hours, or like the closest thing to office hours, online with all my classes all the time. Um, so like there is an open invitation to all of my students to meet me online and talk about the class if they need to at whatever point. Um, to do that, typically I use Discord. If you are not familiar with Discord, it is a service very similar to Zoom. Um, it was originally designed for and by gamers so they could like play Fortnite together and talk to each other um, all at the same time, but I have kind of adapted it to my purposes as a gamer in my own right. I was very familiar with it going into the whole quarantine business, um, and I use it for my office hours. I have a classroom reserved for philosophy, and I will totally meet any students who want to chat with me um, in that server. Um, all you need to do is, again, let me know that you want to talk to me like face-to-face, -face, sort of, so to speak, um, synchronously online, and I will give you the details so you can catch me during my office hours. Um, but again, the big message here is don't be a stranger. Um, I want to help any way that I can that this class be, like, entertaining and good and helpful to you. Um, I do not want to just, like, wreck your grade in this class. That is not my goal. Um, so any help that you need to show me your best work, just let me know. Um, do not be shy. Um, I will do what I can. Um, so in the meantime, I hope that you enjoy philosophy for next week. Uh, be sure to get online. There should be a link on Moodle or Canvas to the Wisecrack Philosophy of Everything playlist. Um, just pick a video, any video that appeals to you, and go ahead and play it. They're all about various philosophical underpinnings for various pop culture artifacts. Stuff like, you know, the philosophy of the Joker, or the philosophy of Christopher Nolan, or the philosophy of Boss Baby, or any number of stuff. Um, I'm personally a huge fan of the Near Automata one, but you know, you do you. Whatever appeals to you, go ahead and watch one of those videos, and then watch the two other videos on critical thinking that I've provided, and then read up on the informal fallacies on the 
Texas State page that I've offered um, because we have yet another assignment. Our fourth extra credit assignment is on informal fallacies and recognizing them in the wild because it's an election year and it's going to get nuts. Um, so do all that. Again, read all the material, watch all the videos, read all the stuff online, um, listen to the lecture that I provided, get on the discussion boards to talk about it, and uh, there's no quiz next week. Your first quiz will be the week after that. So enjoy. I hope you have a good time. Look for me in the chat, and don't be a stranger. Let me know if you have any questions.